This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen. I'm the president of World Ministries International. I want to welcome you to the Warning Television Program. Also, those that are listening on our Warning Radio, Shortwave Program, social media, are watching us on the different channels on social media. Welcome. My good friend from Kenya, Nairobi, Kenya, East Africa, Bishop Jeffrey Jaguna. He pastors a great church, Langada Deliverance Church in Nairobi. I just had another leading bishop with me, Kefa Omai, and so uh, both of these men and others were working together to try to uh, bring peace and salvation uh, wherever we go, through Kenya and around the world. So, uh, Bishop Jaguna, welcome back to the Warning Television thank, Program. Thank you. Thank you so much. Very, very grateful to be around and to be able to come to this center. I've been coming here for good number of years now. That's right. <laughs> and this is a live audience. It's our staff service. You're right. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. We are happy to be here. Like I say, whenever I come here, I don't feel like a stranger anymore. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> of the length of time that I've worked with Dr. Hansen uh, in Nairobi, and I'm so, so grateful to be here. I want to bring to our attention a very, very special account that I admire the favor of God that was observed in the life of Joseph. So we'll talk about Joseph and how Joseph attracted the favor of God upon his life. Because it is the favor of God that makes a difference. The Bible says, even outside the Joseph account, in the book of Job, chapter number 10, verse number 12, that thou hast granted me life and favor. This was a testimony of Job. Thou hast granted me life and favor. And David himself, a great worshiper, said, For thou, Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. That is Psalm 5 and verse number 12. For thou, Lord, will bless the righteous with favor, without compassing as with a shield. So, talking about Joseph. It's always an exciting thing for me to think about how Joseph was favored of God. Now, the second half of the book of Genesis tells of the history of one family, beginning with Abraham and falling down to his great-grandchildren. Now, the sons of Jacob. One of the twelve, one child stood out. Among the twelve, one stood out because of God's favor upon them. I don't know what your experiences are in this country, but anywhere in the world, it would seem like as if God has double standards. Because regardless of how big the family is, it seems that God will just pick one person and elevate them more than the others, not because of whether they were born first or second or third or fourth. And that is God's jurisdiction, that is God's sovereign will, and uh, if you happen to be that favored one, you need to know how to manage that favor. Because if you do not manage it well, it can frustrate you. If you don't think about how to walk in sobriety, in maintaining and ensuring that that favor does not get you puffed up, it can be very, 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 it can bring a situation of where you will be subjected to a lot of assault from everyone because they can't understand how come things seem to be working better for you than all of us. But 
people don't understand the reason that God would distinguish you is whatever purpose he has for you. So that you honor him because of that purpose. And I believe one of the greatest responsibility for somebody who's, where God's hand is upon them for favor is to walk in simplicity, walk in humility, so that they honor God in their lives. So that's what we find here in the account of Joseph. Joseph, one child that stood out, first favored by the natural father and blessed by God. Think about that. Favored by the father. Then that is where we have the, the coat of many colors that was done for him. And blessed by God. His name was Joseph. This is one of the, one of the most popular characters in the Bible. And of course there are others that are there, but he stands very distinct. So notice he was favored by his own father as a son of his favorite wife, Rachel. Joseph received a fabulous colored coat and lost to become the second most man, a powerful man in the land of Egypt. His devotion to God, or rather his devotion to the God of his father, distinguished him. And regardless of the many fascinating twists and turns that we find in his life, he stands out as a biblical figure whose life is both interesting and instructive. Now, Joseph's life provides us with a useful lessons. A life of virtue characterized him as a, uh, from his young age until his death. And even beyond, his life was exemplary in conduct. His life was exemplary in the manner he carried himself. He would be you know, clearly defined as a man given to integrity and uprightness. Now, I'm going to pick up very quickly within the time that I have uh, on this television broadcasting also in this fellowship to, to give five things that we learn about this great man called Joseph. And uh, number one of the things we learn about Joseph is that Joseph obeyed his parents and his obedience to his parents became an important credential in life. And the Bible does say clearly that we should honor, honor your father and mother. It is a, bless, it's a, it's a commandment that comes attached to a blessing. And these blessings, anybody would enjoy the blessing. Because the Bible says that you may, it may be well with you and, it's, and that you may live long on this earth. And... Um, Joseph was obedient. Most people know that Joseph was well beloved of his father, Jacob, as evidence in the very, very popular coat of many colors. Beyond being the son of his father's favorite wife, Rachel, the word of God shows us how obedient he was to his father. And one of the, as early as the age of 17, we find him go, being sent by the father to go and see the brothers who are looking at the flock in the field. And he went. And if you check the book of Genesis, uh, chapter number 37, when Joseph arrived, they were not where he expected them to be. 
They had traveled another 12 miles away to Dotham. That's the account we have in the word of God. Rather than returning to the father and tell the father that my brothers uh, have relocated and I couldn't figure where they are, being the person that he was in a commitment to obey the dad, went the 12 miles to look for the brothers and to be able to take food and to be able to uh, take care of them. Very, very significant about what he did. Seeking out his brothers miles away in order to honor the father. We're trying to see what is it that brought honor and favor. How do you attract favor? So what we find in this particular account is that he was attracting the favor because he was committed and obedient to the father. He was willing to go out of the way to show his loyalty to his father. But uh, as we learn in this account, as we go to the, the number two, number two is, it is important for us to do what is pleasing to God, regardless of the consequences. Now, uh, one of the things we learn about Joseph is how he is subjected to very inhuman treatment by the brothers who he had gone to take uh, food to or to, you know, to, you know to, to express care. But instead of treating him with tremendous respect, they felt it was an opportunity to challenge his dr dreams because he had talked about dreams that were suggesting that one day they were all bowed to him. And so they said, here comes the dreamer. And we are going to tackle him and see what becomes of his dream. <laughs> so, a very, very interesting observation. After being sold now, what we find in this particular account now is that it is shifting to where they are debating about him, except one of the, one of the brothers is actually the one who saved him. When he suggested, instead of killing him, uh, let us throw him to a pit. And, after, and his idea was that when he is at the pit, when they are busy doing other things, he'll go and remove him from there. But now, it does happen that there was the Israelites who are coming through with a caravan, and they said, well, we are so glad now, we don't have to kill him, now we can sell him. And that is how they sold him, uh, to, 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 you know, like someone to go and become a slave in Egypt. These were merchants who were coming through. And so Joseph, uh, we find that after he was sold into slavery in Egypt. Joseph served in the house of Potiphar, the captain of Pharaoh's guard, and quickly earned the highest position of the household. As a young and handsome man, he drew the sinful attention of Potiphar's wife, and she tried to seduce him. According to Genesis 39 verse 10, she was so aggressive with the, uh, with the Bible asserting in, in this passage that she spoke to Joseph day after day. Despite her many attempts to lure Joseph into sin, Joseph would not sin, but he refused. He refused to bow to, his, to her seduction, rather. The Bible says in the book of Genesis 38 and verse 8 and 9, Behold, 
Because of me, this is now the response that Joseph is making. Because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. And he has put everything that he has in my charge. He's not... He is not greater in his house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you. Now, this is Joseph talking to Potiphar's wife. Nothing is kept from me except you. He said, how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Joseph knew that sinning against Potiphar was, was wrong. And that's what would happen if he succumbed to the seduction. But that is not even as worse, as far as he's concerned. It was not only going to be offensive to Potiphar, but offensive to God himself. So ultimately, ultimately of course, we find that Potiphar's wife, uh, of, of course, felt so upset because at one point she decided to send everybody from the house and assign them. And they, so they were outside and then she decides to go after Joseph. And at that point, Joseph, uh, as she was getting a hold of Joseph, Joseph released the jacket, the coat, and ran off. And now, to Joseph's surprise, that coat that she was holding to became the evidence used against him. And for that, uh, one of the things you need to discover and all of us need to know if you are ever accused by somebody's wife, there is no case. So even if you argue, you lose. So we do not find Joseph being given any opportunity to defend himself. So he was guilty as accused of the woman who was seducing him, and that landed him in prison. There's no indication where in scripture that he was given a chance to explain anything. And that's why you usually say, if you happen, you know, if you are accused, whether for, truthfully or falsely, and the accuser is the wife to her husband, you are between, you know, the rock and a hard place. <laughs> so, that's what we find happening here. So, uh, Genesis 39 verse 21 says, But the Lord was with Joseph, even in prison. Hallelujah. Even when he is in prison, the testimony is that God was with him. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And he showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the, uh, of the keeper of the prison. Now, doing what is right in God's eyes rather than man is always the right thing to do. And I usually, one of the, my philosophies of life is that it's always good to do the right thing. It is never wrong to do the right thing. Even if you, when you are provoked, run what it is to do the right thing. One of the things that uh, as, as my kids were growing up, whether they were going to pick it along the way or not, I used to tell them to, to have something that I still refer to in my congregation and which I can share with you, is there's something called overpowering freedom. Overpowering freedom is when you decide I'll be making choices of what I do. And therefore, it doesn't matter what anybody else would do. I will not do anything wrong as a reaction. I will choose my actions so that 
I do the right thing. And I think it's a great blessing. And that's how you become free. And that's what it's called over, overpowering freedom. Now, number three, number three, relying on God's guidance is what secures a present life. According to the testimony of Joseph, relying on God's guidance is what secures a present future. Throughout his life, God blessed Joseph with the ability to interpret dreams. This, is what God, this was a God-given ability to secure his future. Remember right from prison, when he is thrown in prison, he, God, he, is, you know, he has favor with the chief jailer or the, whoever was the supervisor. And then when he is there, there are two people who worked for, for, for Potiphar who were locked inside. Uh, people who were working for fellow, and then they had a, they dreamt. You remember the account of dreaming, and then uh, Joseph interprets the dream. That was the strategy God had laid to deliver him from prison, because he interprets the dream. But surprisingly, the dreams, the, the, the interpretation of the dream to the to, to the uh, to these two gentlemen who are locked up, who are working. Uh, one who was a baker, what happens is that when, when they go, Joseph makes an appeal to them. Please remember, remember me. But did they remember him? Not really. One of the things I feel, and this is my own imagination, is that even when they remembered him, they did not dare discuss it with the fear that maybe if I mention that person who is still on, in there, I'll be told, you are so sympathetic with the person who is there. I want to take you back there. <laughs> so, so, so nobody, because it's already likely that somebody can give you, especially the guy who, who, who was preserved and reinstated. Because the one who lost his head had no chance of remembering him. Because when you lose your head, you... <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, uh, but again, because of, of that aspect of interpreting the dream, when now uh, we find fellow having a dream, and nobody will interpret the dream, that is now another circumstance that God created for Joseph to get a release. Because this person said, well, I, uh, he started by saying, I have a sin to confess the about, you know, this gentleman who interpreted a dream when we were in, priest. Uh, this is a person that can be given a chance. So, when Joseph was called upon, uh, you know, <laughs> after having a confusing dream, and someone showed him to summon Joseph, I wish I had the time to explain about how frustrating the dream was, and how frustrating it was for the astrologers and everybody else. Because, here they are being told that it's like everything has been lost. It's both the dream, so they, are, so, so they are being challenged to tell the dream and the interpretation. You see, if, if, if you want me to interpret the dream, it will be easier you tell me the dream. <laughs> but now if you task me to tell you both the dream and the interpretation, but that is what we find Joseph doing as a gifting of God. Joseph told Pharaoh the dream meant... Egypt would have seven years of bounty, followed by seven years of drought and famine. Because of this, Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of preparing his nation for the year of, of want. 
And you find how a position of a prime minister was orchestrated and created by God himself. And uh, nobody, he had no contender. Because after being able to do that, now we find that, you know, fellow himself is saying, now who, who else? I mean, the thing you have said we should do, who you know, would be the right person to do except you? <laughs> have you ever had a situation where, I mean, if you are subjected to an interview, you have, you have no competitor because of something you have done. This is how God positioned Joseph after he now was able to tell the dream and then he rang his uh, rang, he was given this very ranking position. And, uh, and, and he gave very, very clear instruction on how, you know, they were, you know, Genesis 41, 47 to 49, if you can read it. Because of this, the people of Egypt ate during the famine and people came from all over the world to purchase uh, the food during that time as well. Relying on the Lord for counsel and wisdom will always be the best place to start preparing for the future. Now, number four. So you can cover number four and five. Uh, forgiveness should always be extended even years after the injury. Now, because of the famine, Joseph's family also come, uh, you know, to, to look for food. So the brothers journeyed in the, you know, of course, in the behest of their father to, to, to Egypt to look for food. They did not recognize uh, the second in command of the most powerful nation in the world at that time was a younger brother they had sold into slavery decades earlier. Now Joseph did know. He himself knew these are my brothers at the very first sight. And, and he, because of his ranking position, when emotions would try to get over him, he would withdraw to a private place and weep, then clean up and come again, talk to them officially. <laughs> that was Joseph. Now after a few more journeys in each, uh, to Egypt, Bring with them the youngest brother, Benjamin, at Joseph's request. He reviewed himself and extended forgiveness to them. And some of the most profound statements are, are mentioned in this regard. When Joseph is telling them, you, may, you, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for the good. That he might save many people alive. Yes, yes. That is a powerful, powerful statement. That no matter what evil is leveled against you by anybody. God has the capacity to turn around that which is intended for evil to make it for the good. It's only God who has that kind of capacity to turn things around. What is designed to hurt you to become a blessing? Because it is what Joseph tells them. You meant it for evil, but God changed everything. Joseph did not hold a grudge. Uh, you know, ready and waiting with, uh, with, with, with open arms, calling for those who needed forgiveness. And when you read the account, sometimes you would put uh, money back to their bags. And uh, you, you, there's a very, very fascinating account. Uh, and the last thing, uh, so that I can capture it within the limitation of my time, is that God is sovereign over the darkest moments of our lives. Though eventually Joseph rose to power, wealth, prominence, he experienced many dark days earlier in life. His brothers hated him and sold him into slavery. He spent years in jail for choosing not to engage in sin, and he was forgotten by those he helped for quite some time. Despite all these trials, he kept his faith. 
when he was reunited with his brothers, he would say sincerely, And now, do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. What a testimony. God sent me before you to preserve life. And God is still doing the same things. In the storms of life, in the darkest moment, cling to God's promise, knowing that a sovereign plan in, uh, will, will unfold and no one can restrain God's heart. When God wants to bless your life in whichever way, he will do it. Sometimes when I look over my shoulders to think about the journey of life, and the things I, I went through as a younger person, and where I am today, I, I can see the hand of God. The hand of God that preserved me to bring me to who I am. It is the hand of God. When I think the favor of God uh, upon, uh, upon our children and what they are all doing, I, with sobriety, thank God that he dealt with me so graciously. I did not grow up in a rich man's home. I still remember when I would wake up to go and look for food. One of my aunts was doing better than my, my own mom. And sometimes I would leave school and want to go to my auntie's place to look for food. But one of the things I said as I was growing up is that my, that my children would never have to suffer the things I suffered. And I can say about God's faithfulness, as David said, that I was young and I'm now old. And I've never seen the righteous forsaken. Neither their children begging bread. I can say with conviction, and I'm glad to have one of my daughters here with me, that they have never lacked bread. Hallelujah. The things I suffered, they never had to suffer. And even now God has continued to enlarge their paths in life. And I'm here to celebrate as I remind each one of us about this great account of Joseph. And to say, as God dealt with Joseph, he would desire to deal with you as well. And his sovereign purpose and will will prevail over you when you trust him. Lord, we honor you for your faithfulness. We honor you for your word. We pray a blessing upon everybody who has heard this and those who hear television. Let them understand about your sovereign purpose which overrules and displaces any opposition for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen. I hope you've enjoyed the message by Bishop Jeffrey Jaguna. Once again, held in my staff service that we hold weekly for the staff of World Ministries International and their families. If you haven't done it, please go to my website, www.worldministries.org www.worldministries.org and subscribe to Eagles Saving Nations. You can be a golden eagle for $50 a year, a bald eagle for $22 a month, or a white eagle for $220 a month. This will help us get into the football stadiums, basketball stadiums, arenas, and try to stop this insanity of toppling the Republic of the United States of America and move us into another great awakening based on the third person of the Trinity. God bless you and thank you.